If you had invested $1,000 in Bowat Water Technologies as they ran their initial public offering in 2022, your shares would now be worth $221. Not great, but still better than if you had invested these $1,000 in current water technologies as in that case, your shares would only be worth $150 today, which is not that bad because you could have invested your $1,000 in Eddy Smart Home Solutions and be left with only $25 worth of shares or in LifeQuest, Nephros, Ritu Eco Solutions, Side. Bion Environmental, LeakTech International or Energia and be left with very close to nothing. Is that concerning for the rockstar IPOs of the past two years that promise to revolutionize water, waste and wastewater? In 2022, Global Water Intelligence published an article listing 30 listed water companies you've never heard of, or should I say unloved gems, showing that there is still appetite for smaller listed water companies. Yet, as I carefully looked them up two years down the line, I discovered that out of these 30 hand-picked listed companies, 23 are in the red and 21 have lost more than two-thirds of their initial valuation. Beyond these 30 examples, I looked into many more cases of companies that went public in the last years, the superstars and the others, and I think I identified some patterns that should be interesting for investors, but even more for water entrepreneurs. First, and that's important, I didn't say all water stocks fail, our sector is doomed, run away you fools. No, that would be absolutely wrong. Yet, a certain type of water stocks consistently struggle, and that's the small to mid-sized water technology companies. The pattern that emerges from my 50-ish sample is the following. It starts from an IPO announcement that gets positive press, the IPO subsequently gets oversubscribed, the stock price rises over the first months, and then there's a first dip. Then you'll have one or two peaks when the company lands a great contract, a significant milestone, or a good financial result. That one is quite rare. But then it's an uninterrupted downer up to the limbo where the company still exists, still does business, but its stock remains as a shadow of its former self. If patterns were a prediction for the future performance of stocks, which, let's be clear, they're not, that would be pretty concerning for the superstar ipo companies of this decade like 374 Water, Aquaporin or NX Filtration. And by extension, if these companies were to struggle or fail, it would be a strong downer for an entire ecosystem of water tech companies. Floating a company is a way for early investors to exit and for founders to finally earn a reward for years of sacrifices. More to that later. So if we want the right money to keep backing the best brains so that they in turn can help solve today's and tomorrow's water crisis, we need the path to to prove it can deliver. So it's not about drawing a pattern and using it as a crystal ball, but about understanding why that weird shape happens and repeats. And I would have two strongly intertwined explanations. First, one would think that water stocks should rocket to the moon because we're in a water crisis and it's not getting better anytime soon with climate change. 77% of individual investors globally are interested in sustainable investing and water solutions even rank on top of the themes investors are the most interested in. Yet I believe this is exactly why these stocks struggle. Companies come out explaining how they will solve the world with their tech and all the best intentions. Investors hop on the bandwagon and then realize that it's not happening to the extent they expected. And that's the second explanation. There is a strong illiteracy among investors when it comes to water topics. Hey, if you're an investor and you're watching or listening to this, the fact that you're here makes me think that you're not like that. 
I really don't say this to piss off anyone, but the Morgan Stanley report I was quoting previously also shows that 52% of individuals say that they have limited knowledge about how to start sustainable investing, and 43% say they lack the necessary financial advice. When you cross that with the fact that financial performance of sustainable investment is quoted as a key driver for their investment, you see that there will be pressure on Watertech stocks to swiftly deliver on the promise. But what investors don't realize is the super long timelines for Watertech to be adopted. 12 to 15 years from the first pilots of a technology that's already gone through R&D at that point, all the way to its commercial application and the technology being in the middle of the market. And that's for the successful ones, the technologies that met the market, fulfilled their promises and got supported by the right regulations and policies. Have a look here if you need a refresher. And if one of these stars doesn't align, it will take 10 to an infinite number of years more for that same result. I've met countless investors and water entrepreneurs who told me that they know that theory and these numbers, but they will be unfailingly different and faster. Yet first, as Polo Callan, the OG of that thesis showed me, the recent technologies that made it to the commercial level, like MABRs or Sponge Cities, actually followed those same timelines. And second, even if they were substantially faster than expected, they would still struggle to be as fast as investors would await. Indeed, I'm a finance muggle, so I looked into financial literature, which provides a full body of studies as to how long you shall keep a stock to maximize your chances of profit. I'm not looking for a magic formula, but for a magnitude. And that magnitude seems to be some say 3 to 12 months, others 6 to 9, but I'd simplify it in hold for about a year. See how that framework collides with the specific timelines of the water sector? So we have two intertwined root causes for water stock struggles, inflated hype at the time of the IPO, that backfires when investors realize it will take longer. But why does it hit BioUV harder than Dinora or American Water? Why does it beat harder on Demem than it does on Vabag or Seven Trent? Well, it is unfair, but my dive into historical data shows that the stock market curse hits small and mid-sized tech companies much harder than the big tech or utility ones. Let's try to explain why. First, mainstream investors hardly understand what these companies do. And I say mainstream investors, but it doesn't stop there. An entire ecosystem that's supposedly designed to support investors' decision-making fully misunderstands these mid-sized water tech firms. Look at this equity research on Osmosun, a French solar desalination company that went public in July 2023. They did a super clever SWOT analysis. Let's zoom on weaknesses and threats. Is any of what's written here wrong? No. Brian discharge is a topic discussed in desalination, and I'm pretty sure no one would appreciate it if customer payments were delayed. But that's missing a few elephants in the room. Where does it address the go-to market for a company that just has some dozens of deployments? Where does it mention that such a tech needs to be approved, accepted, and specified? Don't get me wrong, Osmosun has a cool technology, a battery-less off-grid solar desalination. And I would believe they'll make it big in the long run, but not in the timelines a casual investor reading these lines would expect. And Maybe as a result, they're down by 40% since IPO. Now, Osmosun is a relatively small cap, probably a bit harder to analyze for water outsiders. Let's give them a chance. Let's look at the rockstar companies in the recent wave of water tech IPOs. Well, if you look them up on Crunchbase, you'll be up for a good laugh. Enix Filtration, for instance, wants to disrupt the membrane market with a fresh technological take. Yet, if you look at the similar companies tab, you'll get suggestions such as Aquadat, a digital twin engineering company, Surface, a monitoring company, or Water Management International that strives to reduce non-revenue water on networks. How's that related? Well, I guess 
it touches water? It would have been much more interesting to suggest comparing Enix to the other rockstar in that field, Aquaporin, or probably DMEM, Cleantech Water and Lictech International. But wait, that's a lot to ask to Crunchbase, their market intelligence companies for that. Oh, don't get me started on market intelligence. Technically, you're the one writing the script. True. Read your next line as well. If you like this video, boop the like button. You're pathetic. I don't want to open a full segue here, but let's be honest, there are a few good market intelligence companies, some okayish one, and then a notion of garbage which prices stuff that ChatGPT would be ashamed of for very good money. I'm debating with myself if I should dare to do a ranking of these market intelligence sources for a while. Tell me in the comments if you'd be interested in that. I'll probably need a ton of support to fight the Kraken. But so, that's the first curse aggravator. In the widely scattered water industry, mainstream investors and their tools don't understand much of what small to mid-sized water tech companies do, face, or have to overcome. Now, that's a nice theory, but it doesn't align with the facts. Oh, you're back? With which facts doesn't it align? <laughs> well, Denora IPO'd in July 2022, and since then they're up by 20%. Don't tell me that mainstream investors know Denora better than Enix Filtration, Aquaporin, or 374 Water. Hand me my coffee and I'll explain. First things first, Denora is one century old, but that's not even the decisive factor. From a technological perspective, Denora has been developing its electrochemical technology since the 1960s, they have a fully functional product since the 1980s and they've vertically integrated water players since the 2010s and especially 2015 with the acquisition of Severn Trans Services Purification Group. Translated into numbers, by the time of the IPO, water technologies accounted for about 42% of the group's revenues with profits growing spectacularly. So if you were to place Denora on the Gardner hype curve, they would be somewhere in the middle of the slope of enlightenment with, on top of that, PFAS and micropollutant regulation talks adding wind to their sales. Thank God that's attractive to investors. At that stage, business and investor timelines align. On the other hand, the challenge for the small aspiring giants we're discussing since the beginning of this video is that they don't really help themselves by typically getting public at development stages where they will still need a good bit of time to be a big player right in the middle of the market. Enix, again, went public in 2021 at the venerable age of 5 on the back of one major contract with Hadronautics, a few pilots, burgeoning sales channels, and the reputation of a team that had successfully built, developed, and sold Xflow to Penter. Nice assets, but arguably still early on the Gartner curve. 374 Water, although kind of public for much longer, IPO'd on the Nasdaq in June 2022 on the back of only one functional pilot on Duke's University campus, somewhat even earlier on the hype curve. And as I'm recording this, the two companies are down respectively by 63 and 46% compared with their IPO prices. I know stock markets don't have to be fair or unfair, but if you look at the IPO brochures of the two companies and what they planned to do, they're more or less on track. So dividing their valuation by more or less two means that investors expected them to widely exceed their expectations. In my book, that's in fact unfair. Now I feel like I'm forgetting a key question since the beginning. Why does it matter that water tech stock tumble? Well, first, because the fundamental reason why a water tech company goes public is that it needs cash. Bringing a technology into the middle of the market requires heavy investments up front. 
R&D, pilots, demonstration sites, manufacturing, or simply the long legwork time you'll have to endorse to get your technology adopted. When the IPO is successful, that's a good load of fresh cash that funds the company's efforts. Yet if right after that the company's value goes full south, it transforms into a single shot rifle. The next time the company will need a cash injection because it hasn't reached profitability yet or because of its working capital requirements, it will struggle much more to raise the right funds. This in turn is the kind of catch-22 companies like Lictech International or Energia are in right now. If the market adoption of ceramic membranes is slower than expected or if key regulations are delayed, the companies have to survive longer on the same amount of cash before they eventually return to profitability. And if they need a bridge, at their current valuations, stock markets won't be willing to help much. At the time I record this, Exfiltration just released their 2023 annual report, and it highlights everything I've been explaining so far. In 2021, they had three North Star metrics for their midterm goals. First, reach 200 pilots. By 2023, they have 209. Target achieved. Second, expand production to 80,000 modules per year over 10 spinning lines. In Q1 of this year, they'll be starting their mega factory with a nominal production capacity of 50,000 modules per year and an expansion potential of 120,000. Target almost achieved as well. Third, reach positive EBITDA. Hmm. They achieved an EBITDA of minus 12 million euros in 2023. Now, to be fair, Enix never said that midterm meant three years. So, Nothing forced them to reach all of the goals by 2023. Yet, as the annual report says, they estimate they're about 1.5 years behind their original business plan. It takes time. What does that mean for cash requirements? Well, the company still has 50 million euros in the bank, which will cover its mega factory investments and 2024 operations. Then, if they need a bridge, they acknowledged it might be challenging to look for it on the stock market and they're rather eyeing asset-based financing. So that's reason one why it matters if your stock is down, access to cash diminishes. The second reason is that companies are built by people and those people deserve to get some benefits down the line for the sacrifices and risks they've taken to build these companies. You know these timelines I've been discussing today? Well, when Andrew Benedek sold Xenon to GE in 2006, he had been dedicating 26 years of his career to getting MBRs accepted by the market. Water challenges are not getting easier. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Will you leave me alone? Attracting the right talents to the water sector to solve these challenges is one maybe overlooked part of the equation, so ensuring there's a path to rewards is important. Third and last reason, water tech companies going public and succeeding in the long run in doing so is not only an exit path for founders willing to retire or embrace new endeavors, but it's also an opportunity for early investors to cash out. These early investors may well have different timelines, metrics and risk acceptance than the casual mass market, but they still need to provide a return on investment to their limited partners. If you'd like to get an extensive exploration of that fascinating section of the water investment world, I sat down with the incredible Tom Ferguson, the founder of Burnt Island Ventures. It's genius insights for one hour straight. And if you like this specific piece, you can help me out tremendously by hitting the like button. And of course, if that's not done yet, by making sure to subscribe. Oh. And what with my personal conclusion on NX filtration? Well, <laughs> not investment advice, but I'm a believer. They seem to have their ducks in a row and I'd support 95% of their business plan. The only floor is at page 11 of the 2023 annual report when they count on the French plan to reach 10% of water reuse by 2030. Like that's ever going to happen and under that timeline, come on, it's France. <laughs> Now, if you're wondering what might speed up that plan, like copying best practices in water reuse adoption, have a look here and I'll see you next time.